This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Let's go back in time to 1932 as Congress brings you historic footage of the legendary original Celtics with whom all great professional teams are compared. We have now taken over your radio. Richie Guerin is about to show you the most important step in getting past a man. It's the first one. And Oscar will inbound it. The men in green, the Milwaukee Bucks, that's Al Cinder against Bellamy. Hello and welcome back to the Over and Back Classic NBA podcast. I am Jason Mann and with me as always is uh, Rich Krejci and we are continuing talking about the uh, top 50 uh NBA player candidates, uh, and our uh, next player we are talking about is Dirk Nowitzki, and our special guest is Kirk Henderson of MavsMoneyBall.com. Kirk, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. And uh, the basic case for Dirk, it is very strong. He is uh, seventh all-time in win shares, uh, 17th in win shares per 48, 37th in box score plus minus, and 19th in value over replacement player. Uh, he has one MVP, a finals MVP, um, four-time NBA All-First team, uh, five-time on the second team, third-time on the third team. He has 10 seasons in the top 10 uh, for win shares for 48, six times in value over person player, ninth all-time in points, 14th in uh, free throw percentage, which for uh, a player of his size is a uh, incredible achievement. Um Incredible scorer, uh, very innovative in terms of both style and as being an international pioneer. Clearly the best player in uh, Dallas Mavericks franchise history. Uh, Kirk, talk a little bit about Dirk. 
It's it's pretty strange because Dirk is is probably the player, um, and he's he's been in my life longer than anyone that's not my wife or my parents. Uh, he he's been in the league for for what seventeen years now, um, which is just really kind of incredible when you think about how he started out uh, because he was such a a he felt like such a reach uh, for his first year. Uh, I remember being, you know, young in Dallas, and they ran uh, the Dallas Morning News ran side by side comparisons of his and Paul Pierce's stats the entire first year, <laughs> which was just it wasn't even a contest because because Paul Pierce was just so much better right out of the gate than Dirk. But you know, as as his game you know evolved and the way Don Nelson really kind of molded him. He really is. He became such a a, a pioneer player. I, I kind of argue that he is. He's obviously not not the best player from that group of guys drafted in the late '90s. But really, he he his position and how he played the game really forced the rest of the NBA to change. There had been such a thing as a stretch four before Dirk, but I think that that you could make the argument that he has been the most impactful stretch four of of, of recent history. Yeah, I'm right with you there. I mean, I'm, I'm I made no questions on this podcast. He's absolutely my favorite player of all time. Even even living in Chicago, even growing up in the Jordan era, there's no question. Dirk is my guy. I mean, he's the guy that that the minute I saw him, I said, "Wow, you know, this guy is amazing." Because he was so different. Because he was, as you said, you didn't see that. I mean, seven footers didn't shoot. You know, there was a few guys here and there, but for the most part, a guy. This guy was a seven footer who who was more comfortable being at the three-point line. It wasn't like he had that as a part of his game. Like, no, that was, you know, one of his primary parts. But then also he could go down low. He could bend. He could just do so many things on the floor that it amazed me. And I felt like I hadn't seen anybody do it as well as he did. And then just to see how his career progressed. Because this is, I mean, this is like 1999, 2000, where I said, whoa, this guy's really awesome. And then to see his career, present, you know, you know, evolve and change and become, you know, leader of a title team, you know, get so close the one year and, and, and the criticisms about him, you know, at least in my mind, unfair criticism about always oh, not a winner and this sort of stuff. And then to see him finally achieve the, the title and all that sort of stuff. But I'm right with you in terms of the influence when we look at a Dirk Nowitzki for this purpose and, and for the purposes of, you know, this top 50 or whatever influence is, is, is a big part of what we're doing. And, and I, I, I find it hard to not say that he's a big reason why we see the NBA we see today. And I know it might be a little, you know, hyperbolic or whatever, but I, I just feel like he is that important. And that could be my bias. I don't know if Jason, you feel the same way. Kurt, you seem to feel like you seem the same way is that he's, I think he's one of the more important players of our era and our generation. And I, I don't think I'm overstating that. Go ahead, Kurt. Well, I think that, it's in terms of of the the late '90s talents. There are some guys that simply aren't. You can't replicate what they did or do. In the case of like Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, and Tim Duncan, they were such supremely talented athletes and skill setted players that what they did doesn't come along that often. In terms of what Dirk produced as a stretch four, we've seen like a series of reasonable facsimiles the last 15 years. They might not have been as good as him, but they really did help change how teams were built. And I think that he at least really pushed the trend forward in terms of how that relates to, uh, you know, the, the, the NBA's like top 50 players uh, of, of recent years. I think that has to matter, at least in the conversation. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I think you know, we've kind of alluded to this, but I mean, he really like made it um, like acceptable for a big guy to shoot threes and play out in the perimeter and made that into a winning strategy. There were guys who did it, but he was the first to make it, you know, you know, like 
to to make it a strategy that could win a championship. I don't think there's anybody else, um, no one that I can think of, uh, you know, of, of his size and, and his skill. And really, there's, there's almost no one who who at his size had his skill. Um, so. I, yeah, I mean, he not only changed what was, you know, acceptable in the game, but he made like that a winning strategy. I mean, um, you know, and and it's it's part of the revolution that, you know, seven seconds or less is part of that. Um, you know, what Golden State is doing now is part of that. It is sort of changing, um, challenging basketball orthodoxy and, and making it... Um, you know, a, a different, more open, more exciting game. The the other thing that I really found interesting, at least looking at his career as a whole, is he's really played, he's had three distinct kind of career arcs. He, he had the, the initial Don Nelson grouping uh, of years where he was, you know, probably the third wheel of the Steve Nash, Michael Finley, Dirk, big three. You know, he wasn't the best player of that group. And he, you know, was just basically asked to score and, and grab some rebounds. He, he certainly wasn't asked to do too much. When those guys left, uh, Avery Johnson was the one who kind of, forced him to become a, a mid-post back-to-the-basket player. Uh, I think the thing that's very interesting looking at his statistics is his MVP season, he hardly shot any threes comparative to where he's gone both before and after uh, Avery left Dallas. And since um, you know pretty much the 2011 title season and going in now, he reverted back into much more of a jump-shooting player. But it's, it's so interesting, you look at his numbers from year to year, and they're remarkably consistent despite the fact that he's played such different styles. Yeah, I think that's really important. And, and and the other thing too that that I look at as well is and talk about the remarkable consistency is look at the guys that he did it around and the people that have just shuffled in and out of that team. And like talk about a guy like you know a, a Tim Duncan who's somebody we've talked about a lot, and he's been able to have remarkable consistency both in coaches and roster and that sort of stuff. Yeah, there's a few guys here and there. My God, I mean, look at the amount of guys that have <laughs> that Dirk has has played with, and amount of coaches and systems and all that sort of stuff. Yet you look at his stats, and you would think, yeah, this guy had you know the most stable system, and and and, but it's not that way. I mean, the guy, and you said he's been asked to do different things in different eras with different coaches and different players, and it's just remarkable how consistent he's been through all of that, which which I think is is, is no you know small task. I think it's really really important when we talk about you know him and his case for being a top fifty greatest of all time. Yeah. And I, you know, I kind of think, um, you know, we picked, he was one of five players that we picked, uh, post 1996 players that we decided were absolutely no brainers had to be on the list. Weren't really, uh, didn't need to debate them or anything. Um, and he, uh, you know, is, um, uh, the other ones are Kobe, Duncan, Garnett and LeBron. Um, but of those guys, I would say he is probably the, the you know, the, the, the last one I would kind of put in, in, into that category. And and maybe that's because, you know, defense is a bit of a weakness for him and, and, and to a lesser extent rebounding. Uh, Kirk, how do you feel about him as a defender? Do you feel like, you know, um, he was good enough at it to pass by? Do you think it was a, more of a weakness in his game, but, you know, just the, his brilliance on the other end o overshadowed it? Or, you know, how, how do you kind of feel about that? 
I think in his, in his early to mid career, he ended up being a passable defender. He was a decent help defender because one thing that gets forgotten about Dirk, and I think is going to be a problem as we move away from his career, is Dirk was remarkably athletic and quick for a guy his size, which just hasn't been the case for so many heroes who have come over since. So that helped him defensively, but he was still a little bit of a of a, a saloon door at times. Uh, to this day, I still don't understand how um, he doesn't get called for a foul every time he rakes guys across the arms who go to the basket. <laughs> you know that move I'm talking about? Like he, oh, yeah. He sticks yeah. his hands up every time he gets called for it, and he's like, what? What's happening? And every time I see it, <laughs> I, I know that the hand is – or your hand is part of the ball, but just like on, on you know television, it looks like such a clear foul. And, you know, as a Mavs fan, I'm pretty I'm, – I'm always happy with it, but I can always hear – you know, uh, opposing uh, fan bases just get so upset that he was never called for that. So I think that you do have to kind of like it, it, I think him being the last person on that list makes a lot of sense. I do think that that where you would rank him in the top 50 gets very interesting because I, on the one hand, you're correct that I, I think that he has to be included in the top 50 discussion regardless. But you could really rank him anywhere in, you know, probably from, you know, six to eight all the way to maybe in the mid 30s. Because his game is, you know, he never really had, he had such a strong career series of years. But in comparison to, you know, a Duncan, a Garnett, uh, a Kevin Durant, there's there's not been that, that one overwhelmingly dominating year. You know, I, I was pleased to see him win the MVP, but I think the case could be made that he really shouldn't have, have won it back in 2006, or seven, excuse me. Yeah, real quick, I wanted to. We've been doing these through all these podcasts, is looking at the advanced stats. And one thing that was very interesting about him, and and it was kind of a, it's it's one of the things that will you can kind of run into sometimes by looking, you know, merely at advanced stats. And I think for Dirks, it's especially a problem because Basketball Reference, when you look at him and and you try to, I initially went forward center forward slash center, that's what I would kind of consider Dirk. Well, they consider him just strictly a forward in that. So when you look at him strictly as a forward, then it becomes kind of tough because, yeah, his rebounding numbers stand out, and you look at this guy and you go, whoa, he's a dominant rebounder, merely looking at the stats. But then you look at his shooting and go, oh, this guy's not a very good shooter, which is so, I mean, that's not what anybody would think because they, they, they'll they kind of put him in the same pocket with small forwards. So, yeah, he's not the same shooter as, you know, Jason Capono, but he's he's obviously a great shooter for his size or whatever. So it's kind of funny. So I, I try to finagle it a little bit, but but I thought this was at least we'll just kind of lay this out right here real quick is how basketball reference kind of puts, you know, era and position and how he sort of ranks there uh, looking at era and position. So looking at, you know, forwards of his era, uh, he's third in win shares per 48, third in value over replacement player does really well in that uh, 61st in effective field goal percentage, 100th in field goal percentage, 126th in rebounds per 36, which, you know, that there's there's always going to be that issue. And that's a guy who's not always, you know, banging and not always right there at the basket. So that'll hurt a little bit. Uh, and third in points per 36. So solid. But, yeah, you look at those shooting numbers and you kind of go, ah, that's not great. But then you kind of also realize when you're looking at small forwards as well, it's it's kind of tough. So that's, that always becomes a problem. Uh, position all time, uh, Dirk. Um, He's 12th all-time in points per 36, uh, 319th in rebounds per 36 amongst his position, uh, 26th in uh, three-point. Yeah, well, you know, that's not Dirk, so that's fine. We want uh, 26th in uh, three-point percentage, uh, 99th in effective field goal percentage, 6th in value over replacement player, and 6th in win shares per 48. So even even though some of those stats don't really jump out because I think of how they sort of classify him, and I think if you – but the problem is how do you classify Dirk? It's so different, and that's where we kind of start out this podcast of when you look at guys of, of – 
you know, past eras, there's really not many guys you can say. I mean, there's a guy we've talked about, Jason and I, a few podcasts ago about a guy like Ralph Sampson, who was had a, a, a very similar skill set to Dirk, but at the time was criticized for being soft and why aren't you going down low and he's injury prone and all that sort of stuff. So eventually that just kind of he lost that part of his game and it wasn't really what he probably would be best at, whereas Dirk was able to do that and thrive in that. So it's hard to get comps there, but I thought that was a pretty good way to kind of a little snapshot of how he compares with forwards. But I, I don't know if I would call him a forward. I don't know if I'd call him a center. He's he's a tweener. I mean, that's what we know about Dirk. He's that stretch four that now will be so much easier to kind of look back on. But, you know, trying to do this and purposes of, of how we're doing it in all time, it's hard to classify him. I don't know how you classify him. I think the further we get away from his career after he retires, it's going to be really hard to contextualize his impact because, you know, teams teams have figured out in a hurry that, that you simply, like building around a player like him or a, I think a player like Kevin Love, who is so good offensively but really lacking defense defensively is 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 impossible with the pace and space era uh, that, that we're playing in now. And so I think it's going to be very interesting to see how people view Dirk because he he, he just is, is is very is such an odd player. He's obviously, as I've mentioned, I think he's revolutionary, but it's hard to really you know uh, explain how he was revolutionary looking at stats. I mean, you can see some like basic box score stuff and say, okay, he did he did some pretty interesting things. Because to me, like one of my favorite things is that you know throughout 17 years of play, he still managed to average uh, what is it something like 24 points and 10 rebounds a game in playoff games, which is just stupid for uh, for a guy who's 36 years old and has played that many games. But, you know, that's not the sort of thing people are going to look at when they're talking about statistical impact. They're going to go back to what you what you're referencing and it's going to be it's going to be a little odd. I think he's still going to get his due, but I think over the long haul he's going to eventually slip into that underrated category, which feels weird mm-hmm. to say right now. Yeah, I I feel like um like Rick Barry might be a decent kind of comparison in terms of like kind of a guy who um is a little bit forgotten, although it'll be for different reasons. Rick Barry just wasn't, you know, was was not very likable um, and didn't really play for the glamour teams and, um, and and so forth. But I, I do think like if you think of like Dirk as like a, you know, a bigger evolution in that type of player kind of was the, the same type of score, even I think a better shooter than um, Barry. Um and also had kind of the similar situation of um, putting the team on his, putting a team that people didn't have that much expectation for on his back and taking them to a championship in sort of an odd year against a, uh, a, a juggernaut of a team. Like, I think there's, there's, there's sort of that there, which I think does help a little bit in the, um, how people remember Dirk and in the legacy of Dirk, because he has that, um, you know, he, he has that outperformed Wade and LeBron in the uh, finals, um, you know, thing, which not a lot of guys, you know, have that on their notch. So I think that's a I, I think it's going to help him kind of be um, remembered, although I, I, I agree with your larger point. Yeah, it's, it's pretty funny that the, 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 the dirty little secret of that 2011 finals is as brilliant as Dirk played. Sean Stevenson shot 50% from three over six. <laughs> so no. that may have been a little bit of a point. <laughs> so. Um, uh, Rich, anything else that you have to uh, add? Not really. I mean, the, the biggest thing that, 
you, you look at a few of the weaknesses because we want to kind of do that. And I think the tweener position is going to be an interesting thing of how we sort of contextualize that as we go through. I think he's absolutely a top 50 candidate and absolutely a top 50. I would put him, of course, a little biased, but I, I think I would put him in the top 50. And I don't think there's much of an argument either. I think he's a pretty well no-brainer. There is the tweener stuff that's going to kind of hurt him and, and how do you sort of classify him. But then we also add the influence there. And I think he's super important influence. And I mentioned that a few minutes ago is that I just think he's one of the most influential players of this era. And I, I, I hope that, like Kirk said, we don't, you know, 20 years from now, he's underrated and people have to say, no, 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 he was really incredible. And like, no, 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 he was one of the first to do this, this and that, you know, I hope we don't have to do that, but I feel like we are, though we shouldn't. I mean, he, he's he's there and he's absolutely just an important figure in this era and, and in NBA history, I think. And and I think it'd be a crime to not have him on your top 50. And I think I, I would be, I'd be shocked if we do not. And, and I think he's pretty much a no brainer for us, even if he's out of that, you, you know, top, top realm and the no doubters, but, but I think he's right there. I, I, I would put him in and, and be absolutely criminal to not have him in. I think, I think he's top 30 even. I, I would, I would really go on record saying that. Absolutely. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's no doubter for me. Absolutely. I, I, he, he's, he's in, and there's real, there's nothing at this point I, I, I could, that you could say to, um, to take him out of there. That's pretty much the case with me too. I, I, I would be interested if we we're to select kind of a, a grouping of our peers, you know, you take take a hundred people who write and watch a lot of basketball and see where you would rank a player like Dirk. I really think you would get numbers that were all over the map, just for the various reasons that we've talked about. I mean, for me, I'd put him in the top twenty, but you know, I could see arguments for for further back, or I could see arguments for higher up. Yeah, I have friends in, in conversations, and I've always been obviously been a big, huge Dirk supporter. I still have friends today that I talk, and they're like, "Yeah, he's okay, but he's not like like as I think." Of course, I said he was like an all time great. I still have buddies who who are smart basketball fans that still kind of are like, "No, I don't know. He's he's okay, and this this and this and one, you know." And it's pretty funny because, like you said, I do think that if you did that poll, he'd be all over the place. I think his standard deviation would be all. I mean, it'd be it'd be crazy because I think there are some that think he's like you and I, and and, and a few other people that think he's you know top twenty, top thirty, and then there's probably people that would say, "Yeah, you know." you know low end top 50 you know maybe out of the top 50 but yeah he's a very interesting case in, in that sense where i think he's a no doubter but but i could see why people would have some doubts about him yeah well uh, and go, go uh, you can uh, feel free to edit this but i just had to share this so whenever i'm i'm getting into an argument with somebody about dirk in comparison i point them to the i think it's let me see here, it's the 2002 western conference first round where the mavs played the wolves kevin garnett in three games posted 24 19 5 with two steals and two blocks. So that's just a crazy stat line. Dirk countered him with 33 points, 16 rebounds, <laughs> one assist, three steals, and, and one and a half blocks. So <laughs> it's just kind of one of those things where, like, when he was at his peak, he was an absolutely dominant player. But the problem was is that he was just never, like, so overwhelmingly dominant in a way like a Garnett and a Duncan uh, were, except for, you know, that 20-game that stretch to kind of uh, head into the playoffs in 2011. Yeah. Um, by the way, he is 55th on the slam top 500 uh, players, um, so, which, I you know, kind of um, – I saw somebody complaining about that on Twitter the other day. I, I, that is pretty criminally low for yeah, <laughs> at least I would put him there. Yeah, I, it's it's low. I agree. I mean, it, you know, I, I but but it, it, that does show. I think it, it demonstrates sort of the range of um, of feelings that he, people have for him. Um, but yeah. Um, so Kirk, uh, is there anything that you would like to mention to our listeners? 
No, no. I think we all need to be hoping that Dallas has a, a good year because I, if, if not, I really fear Dirk could retire at the end of this season. It's kind of a mm-hmm. low-key concern. I feel that he's the kind of player, even though he's 30, I think he's 37 now, I feel like he could he could play three more years at, at a very, you know, you know, 15 to 20 minute a night kind of pace as a six man off the bench for a decent team. But I think that, that, you know, if he has another bad year, like he had uh, in 2012, 2013, he might decide that he just wants to walk away, which would be very disappointing for all of us because he, he really is a fun player for people who really love basketball. Yeah, absolutely. I'm worried about, you know, the idea of losing, um, you know, him and Garnett and uh, Kobe and Duncan all, you know, in in the same year or two. I mean, that's just that's a lot to lose. And obviously, Kobe and Garnett are, you know, pretty much shells of what they of what they were. But, um, you know, um, you never know, maybe Kobe could make one more run. But yeah, it would be sad to have him go out, you know, like a like in a John Havlicek situation in a, you know, on an awful team or, um, or, uh, you know, other guys who have, Elvin Hayes, who have kind of gone off on, you know, later than they uh, should have. But yeah, hopefully the, hopefully the Mavs are fun at least uh, this year. And I, I think that's, that's, that's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, I don't know about how good they're going to be, but, but fun and <laughs> Dirk still being a, uh, st- still being a, a relevant player, I think is an achievable goal. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you so oh, much. Thank you. And uh, thanks, everyone, for checking us out, of course. Uh, we are at harborparoxysm.com and part of the HB Basketball Network. Uh, you can find the uh, HB Basketball Network on iTunes. It would be great if you left us a rating and a review. Um, you can also find us at um, overandbacknba.com. Uh, and um, that, that is our new forum where you can uh, find discussions about all the players that we're considering for the uh, top 50, as well as uh, many other interesting subjects. It's a uh, growing forum with a lot of conversation about basketball history. So if you're interested, please check us out. It is very easy to sign up. And uh, we I, I've been told that we are nice people. So I um, <laughs> so, so hopefully that is true. And hopefully you will enjoy talking basketball with us. So. Uh, anything else, Rich? I think that's it. This is a this is a good project. Moves on, and this is a fun one to do, Dirk. It's my favorite player of all time. But yeah, I'm excited about this project. Got a lot of stuff going on. A lot of players we've we've knocked out already, and and a lot more to go. So it's it's fun, and we're we're getting there. Our list is is finally getting together, and unfortunately, there's going to be some strong cuts coming up pretty soon. But that's all right. All right. For right now, for right now, everyone's on. But <laughs> soon, everyone's going to be off. So all right, all right. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back again soon. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.